Cradeline Network. My name is Conrad. Let's have my friend Fox. It's the 287th episode of Space Spitter 2000. Podcast of two Americans where it makes sense. The UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2080. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2080 for January 1994. Fox, New Year, New Us. Fox 868. Wait, no. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Fox 868 to 871. This time, we're starting 94 with a bang as Dread fights a Frankenstein. Mother Earth and Soul Gun Warrior get down to business. Revere's mm. quest continues and Big Dave heads down the coast. God damn it, Big Dave. You know, it's just, it's not great, Fox. No, it's no. really, it's not great. If you read along with this, you find the comics we're covering today and Judge Dredd, the complete, or the complete Case Files 20, the Revere Collection, and the Judge Dredd Magazine issues 278 and 306. So, Fox, before we get to the thrills today, I want to mm-hmm. talk a bit about what's going on in 2000 AD in the year 1994, all right? Yeah, all right. You got any memories of the year 1994, Fox? Nope. I was eight. Nice. I was 13. I uh, was in like junior high, I want to say, like seventh grade or something like that. Yeah. yeah around chock then. full of memories then. Yeah, pretty much. You know, went to was going to school in Washington, D.C., driving in with my dad every day, listening to national public radio, various yeah. things. Yeah. Was a was a star. Uh, 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 tra- I was a track and field star in junior high. Fox, Whoa, uh, cool. I uh, I uh, threw shot puts and discuses. Very Damn. strong. Yeah, good times. Anyway, so 2000 AD in 1994 cost 70 pence. All God. right, ugh, so much and money. Totally, and I'll say that I'm basing this on Thrill Power Overload. Um, basically, of like I'd say the biggest thing that we'll be bumping into is that uh, next episode, Prog 873, is when Alan McKenzie officially becomes the editor of the comic, taking over for Richard Burton, who's headed to the greener pastures of the Sonic comic. Oh, and <laughs> okay. But we'll see how how Mackenzie's editorial tenure goes in the coming episodes of the show. Though I'll spoil it for you and tell you that he gets fired by the end of the year. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, and that's probably a side effect of the fact that the prog itself is in trouble right now. Sure. I hinted briefly in the Batman episode a couple episodes back. You know, subscriptions and purchases are way down. Distributors are angry. A lot of this is sort of an end result of the change of distributors they did a couple years ago. Um, and like sort of 90 or 93 ends, 94 begins with a, a staff meeting where the publisher basically says that if their current trend lines continue, 2000 AD will be operating at a loss by 1996. Whoa. And Damn. Yeah, and their publisher Edgemont, you know, it'll it's tolerating publishing 2000 AD because um, it's profitable, you know, like yeah, 
they're kind of a, a classy Danish company. You know, they're sort of got their money by being by getting the distribution rights to Disney in Europe, essentially. So, oh you god, know, Donald Duck comics. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So they're sort of not super thrilled to be publishing 2000 AD. But, you know, if it's making money, it doesn't make sense to cancel it. But if it's not making okay. money, then you can, you know, see where the, the the reasoning goes. So to counteract this, there's a plan to kick off a nationwide marketing blitz for 2000 AD, including a TV ad campaign and stuff Whoa. like that. Expensive. And, yeah, and you know, a, a real moonshot, I'd say. Um, and but the basic plan is for that to be to start alongside the release of Prague 889 at the end of May of this year. So, and then and and for that, the plan is to really put their best foot forward. So, sort of, you know, have some really top thrill, like nostalgic top thrills to bring back lapsed users, Fox. You know, <laughs> like it's hard for me to talk about this without really starting to use the terminology of my job currently. Yeah, but it's yeah. very much, you know, listen, we we're 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 we're, we're going to bring in these customers and we're going to give them a. High, uh, a quality enough experience that our uh, D7 and D14 uh, retention, oh, which man. is thus, you know, the purchasing of additional progs, etc., <laughs> will be high. Need to need to get these people converting. That's right. Listen, our our KPIs are in the fucking garbage, buddy. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, but and but but because of that, because they want to set put their set their best foot forward and then have some good some good thrills going forward with that uh tv marketing campaign we got to burn off some shit before then fox and so <laughs> that's uh, I, kind I, I, of I like that's the argument that's kind of what like, we're soaking in for the next couple weeks we've we've <laughs> got all this garbage and we need to get rid of it so instead of like flushing it they're you like, uh, yeah. yeah, I know. The you work's done. You can't flush it. Like, the work's been done. It's all been paid for. And, you know, creatives have worked on this, on these things instead of other things that could actually be of quality. So you can't just throw them away. But, God, big Dave. You know, so they're it, like, big, yeah, let's do more of that. Means we got Jesus. some big Dave. We got some Bradley coming up, all this kind oh, of shit. Oh, God, buddy. that's right. Fucking wait. Why, Bradley? <sighs> Well, well oh, at, least at least partially because it's a thrill written by Alan McKenzie. And now that he's editor, I feel like the general works of Alan McKenzie are about to get a, are going to get a little bit more of a priority when it comes to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> figuring out what's going to be in the prog box. Perks of being Tharg, I guess. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Anyway, I should mention also by the end of 94, filming will begin for the Sylvester Stallone Dread movie. Oh, um, nice. Which, of course, will be released in a uh, summer of 1995. So, you know, we've got this ad campaign and you can kind of imagine also this idea of like we've just, uh, you know, of the publishers and stuff. Of we just got to make it, you know, to the movie release. <laughs> right. Because that movie's going to come out some sales, you know, everybody's going to love it. And um, because of that, they'll, you know, we'll be sitting pretty because of the, you know. <laughs> after effects of people loving this dread movie jesus god <laughs> oh man a bitch. yeah the yeah, the hubris of those without hindsight buddy it's too bad anyway 
I mean, listen, in the end, I feel like we can laugh about it because 2000 AD exists at least until summer 2022 and when we're recording this. Yeah, that's that's true. Rebellion hasn't croaked yet. Yeah, they do find a way out somehow, which eventually leads to the rebellion uh, purchasing and sort of a renaissance in the 2000s. But, you know, that's for future us to worry about. President us has to worry about different things, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's called getting through this comic. <laughs> That's right. We got to weather this storm and let's get weathering with Thrill One, Judge Dread. Oh, start strong and strong. That's, that's <laughs> January, baby. I guess, yeah. Uh, script robot Mark Miller, art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Tom Frame. We start in the Siberian wastes outside of East Omega 2. Whoa. Ooh, a uh Yeah, a bunch of Sov judge, speaking in Russian, of course, survey a destroyed bunker full of dead bodies. The monster has escaped. Oh, no. And now that it's loose, nothing can stop it. It's got a, it's got a, 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 a Kano, like a double Kano. Yeah. Exposed and, spine as well. Good yeah, times. Went very nice. Mm. The judges enter the bunker, but the and the beast is still there. It's a shirtless dude with like a face and spine appliance, and he guns the judges down. It's got to be cold, you know. He's not wearing no shirt. <laughs> Absolutely no, but he's got his his hate keeps him warm, Fox, just like Aww. me. Just wrap yourself in a little hate blanket, you know. That's right. Yeah, nothing can stop him, and there'll be hell to pay. Hell on earth. meanwhile in mega city one dreads called to the selwyn froggett block which is a ref which is named after the british 70s sitcom oh no it's selwyn froggett where a guy is i don't know i don't know about these british shows buddy um (laughs) but there's a guy standing in front of the block he's gonna blow himself up with a homemade nuke because his neighbors keep dumping their trash outside his front door which I mean, uh, if they're doing that, I think that's kind of a sign about more about you than about them. Mm, yeah, indeed. What have you done, victim? As I blame you. Well, I mean, uh, clearly the guy's <laughs> no, no, able you're right. to this make guy... his own nuclear weapon. Like, yeah, this guy's he's... clearly an asshole. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Dread knocks the man out and then gives the entire block ten years for illegal jumping with an or for illegal dumping with an extra year for resisting arrest. Yeah, because they uh, they gave him lip. Don't don't, don't give a judge don't. lip. <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, uh, Dred's called to the Grand Hall of Justice, where Magruder is hosting a diplomatic mission from East Meg Two with judges Yeltsin and Andropov. Of course, both named for uh, leaders of Russia. You know Boris mm-hmm. Yeltsin. And what's his name? Andropov from the USSR. You know what I'm talking about. What's his name? Andropov. I'm not. Listen, I ain't no commie. They're honored to meet Dred. But he must. But they must admit there's a new threat headed to make war on Mega City One. The perfect killing machine. The ultimate judge. Project X. Yeah. And indeed. Sugar. We- spice. And everything nice. <laughs> These were the chemicals used to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction. Chemical X. <laughs> oh man. If. if- Project X here talked like one of the Powerpuff Girls. That would be amazing, Fox. Oh, God. Well, I mean, why can't he? Yeah. Why can't they, excuse me? Because there's, there's a whole bunch of people inside that dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. It, at the very least, it's a they because it's a communal entity, Fox. Exactly. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, we see this shirtless judge on a hover bike blasting his way across the cursed earth. Soviet justice is coming. <laughs> He's too big for that little bike. It's true. He's got real Scooty Puff Jr. energy here. <laughs> At the Mega City One wall, a this buff dude with pistol with pistols on each hip is scaling the border wall by doing that thing where he punches a hole in the wall, then pulls himself up with his wrist strength. The judges God. open fire, and indeed, it's that jerk Project X. <laughs> God damn it! I thought it was some other guy. At the Grand Hall, Dredd's incredulous about this Soviet super soldier stuff as the Sovs explain it what what is happening. They built. X to be the best in every category, infallible in every way, and to Jeez. do that, they use just a ton of corpses from the Apocalypse <laughs> War, basically. And, I mean, I feel like it's like, this is going to be the best thing ever because we're using all of these failures. You know what I mean? I mean, but they were each the best in individual things, you know? Oh, so, you know, he's got the eyes of the best looking at stuff guy. Yeah, yeah, but he might not be the best puncher, but then he's got the fists of the best puncher, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Plus, they were down quite a few judges, as I recall. I mean, I just want to say that, the like, this guy's been on ice for a long time. The Apocalypse War was like... You know, 12 years ago from where we are now. Will we never be free of the aftershocks of this conflict, Fox? Nah, man. Absolutely. I mean, let me tell you, sort of as we go through 2022 and we've just had a uh, apocalypse war related storyline, I can tell you that no, we are absolutely not. Oh, Jesus, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, And again... Free from the fallout, often literally not. In uh, wow. so, but with with thousands of bodies to choose from, they were able to build a truly world class human, you know, Frankenstein and them together. That's why that that's the name of the story. Um, but uh, the synth brain went bad. Oh, as, oh. As, as always happens, you know. Got to get a real brain. Something. It's anyway. It's all warped and crazy, as you'd expect. Murder <laughs> machine, that kind of stuff, and it's blasting its way through the city. Dread goes to handle it, telling the Sovs that they've done enough when they offer to help. But there's one last thing that they forgot to mention. All the dead Soviets that make up X's body were personally killed by Judge Dread. Oh, boy. So does that make him the Mojo Jojo of this story? I mean, absolutely. I think. <laughs> Brain in but- a jar. Honestly, the way X talks so much, I feel like he's the Mojo Jojo of this story as well. <laughs> Just does a lot of monologue, murderous monologuing, you know. But you, you see, I have come to Mega City One to invest Soviet justice. <laughs> face good. me, capitalist pigs, and the facing shall be capitalist. I shall make you pay. <laughs> Real good. Doing my best, you know. Whatever. Anyway, um. Oh, yeah. I also want to say that what? So the bodies were like shipped back from east from the the land or, or from Mega City 1 to back to Sovset 2 for processing uh, I mean, or something. I guess it's like deal with your garbage, right? Because most of the judges that were killed by Dread were on Mega City 1 soil. All the judges he killed in the Sovsets he killed via butt or 
I mean, the 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 numerical majority by the factor of t- of, of several several million because he didn't well, kill I mean, too those, many. They, well, they didn't kill too many people in the missile base, but they were all killed by the press of a button as opposed to personally. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly, and all of them would have been vaporized, so it had to have been the ones in the streets. Yeah, Dredd didn't anyone. personally kill thousands of bu- people. <laughs> In the that's like he pressed a button to kill him, but he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot a thousand of guys in the face. Or anyway, anyway, he walked through that base and then shot that one guy. Mm. So this, um, yeah, God, where I'm at. Okay, yeah, yeah. All killed by dread. Project X is in town, blowing shit up, calling the judges capitalists, taking out H wagons with single shots and stuff. The Soviets apologize to Magruder, who says their gooses are cooked if we all survive, and X demands the criminal known as Judge Dredd. And you can really tell that he's a communist because he's uh, making sure that every citizen gets their bullets. <sighs> There's Government so much, so like. It's so weird that we've just got two baddies that just spout um, communist catchphrases <laughs> in this episode, Fox. Oh, These weird God. kismet moments, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, we all, will also have doubling in this episode and the next when it comes to racism, but we'll discuss that later. Oh, Anti-Spanish God. racism, especially. Um, anyway, X demands dread, gunning down lesser judges as he goes. Hover tanks and heavy weapons have no effect as X snags a lawmaster and uh, stand rides it down the Megway, calling <laughs> out Mega City One. The apocalypse war has start. The apocalypse war has begun again. Your apocalypse is nigh. Um, X gonna give it to you. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> If you if you're in if you're in MC one, X gonna deliver to you, Fox. At the Grand Hall, the Sobs are quaking in their boots, but Magruder ain't worried because she's got her own secret weapon. It's Judge Fucking Dread, you dummies, yeah, dude. I'll He's mention here, unkillable. Yeah, when she says that in the background, you can see some graffiti for the video game company Acclaim in the background. Yeah. I think there's some friendship between. Um, between the um you know ipc and that company and i believe they will be starting work on their judge dread light gun game for the movie cool. uh, pretty soon um anyway dread arrives on the scene he's here to arrest x for various murder and immigration based offenses doesn't have a visa fox dread offers <laughs> x a chance to give up but x won't take it and so they ram their bikes together in a big explosion man it's yeah, beautiful dread- Totally. Dread's on fire, but X is still alive and shooting despite his own flames. Oh, he even shoots a down Dread through the shoulder pad and tells him to die like a dog. Aww. Yeah, be nice. Mr. Mr. Puppers, why don't you take a big old nap? Just a mean old Dread dog. X monologues and kicks Dread when he's down, but Dread's made of pretty stern stuff and rolls up and just shoots X right in the face. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to shoot... Go for the go for the faceplate, you know. Top spot. He goes to shoot again, but his lawgiver's out of bullets. Oh, the only time it's ever happened. He starts to <laughs> pistol whip X. Yeah. But but the Franken judge just won't go down. He attacks Dread, his ruined face just barely visible as he does. All his part all his various parts cry out for revenge, Fox. Oh God. <laughs> He's got the Whoa. best soft dick and it wants to kill you, Fox. <laughs> You know it's just completely turgid. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> the, the blue section. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, because you got you to gotta imagine, right? It's like hell-bent on revenge. Let, let's like, keep yeah! going. Let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I, I'm sorry I started it, honestly. Dredd says the war is over, and he gazes his fist wrist deep into X's skull. Oh, God, yeah. This disrupts his brain, and um, X freaks out and falls into a nearby blaze, burning to death. I mean, the yeah. fire didn't really affect him before, but now that he's got the face well, hole. Now he's lying in as opposed to running out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's sure. like a... A lot of his power was concentrated in that uh, faceplate as well. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, bloodied but unbroken, Dread calls into control, ordering Yeltsin and Andropov arrested. At the at the Grand Hall, Magruder talks to Dmitri, the head of East Meg Two. They can't. Uh, the Meg, the East Meggers say they can't compensate the city monetarily for the loss of life, so Dredd is ordered to conduct a diplomatic execution. Yeah, baby. He, appo- he approaches the pair of East Meg judges, gun drawn. They try to lethal weapon to their way out of it. <laughs> but it's the full lethal weapon to end sequence. I have diplomatic immunity. It's been revoked. Shot in the face. <laughs> Pretty good. Dread tells a cadet to get these corpses sent to recycle, but don't bother with the spare parts. Ooh. The Energy Dread. Next time, crime prevention. Oh. Like thought crime? Or not thought crime, sorry. Uh, precog? Something like that, I think. Yeah, I... I <clears throat> I looked ahead and I do believe I saw a a young citizen with some sort of gear thing on his head. You know, so we'll see. Okay. Also, Dredd's going to be heading south of the border in a story called The Sugar Beat, which will also have phonetic accents that I don't think are very cool. Oh, okay. (laughs) But let's not talk about that yet. Instead, let's just get weird. And I guess speaking of Soviet (laughs) villains, with Thrill 2, Soul Gun Warrior. What the hell, you know? Yeah. Also, speaking of guys getting shot in the face, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that whole giant contraption. (laughs) Me too. It was the only thing that I was just like, oh, this has a sense of humor. And then it just went fucking weird. That panels the 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 top part of Soul Gun Warrior, frankly. I um, think it, it it may I mean it may never reach these heights again. Mm-mm. Creation droid Shaky Kane as Shaky Two Thousand, lettering droid Steve Potter. At dawn, the President of the United States and George Mendez, head of the CIA, are headed to Atomic City to meet with Robert Oppenheimer. Mendez advises against this, citing Oppenheimer's anti-nuke stance, despite the fact that he created the nukes. But the President will not be deterred. I feel like that's not a weird thing for someone to, it's like, we created, creating it as a deterrent versus usage. You know what I mean? Indeed. Yeah. No, I mean, so I think there's a difference between building something and actually seeing it like, you know, dropped on on uh, on, you know, human beings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the president doesn't like Oppenheimer either. He's always acting all high and mighty and upstaging him and so forth. I, I, um, upstaging the president. I mean, I guess he's like got a giant holographic head or whatever. Yeah, it's OK. Um, in this case, yeah, indeed, as the POTUS gets off the plane, he's greeted by Oppenheimer's giant floating head. The president and the head of the CIA are led to a hover Cadillac, and they fly into a giant silver Kirby Tech city. 
Yeah. It's very Jack Kirby here as this goes on. They fly through a melty wall and, ar- and arrive at the nerve center of Atomic City, where we see the Soul Gun, a giant piece of machinery all sort of pointed towards a single chair. We're introduced to Kim West, the chief test pilot on the project. Oppenheimer's also here in a hover wheelchair. The Soul Gun countdown has started, and it will revolutionize the way we think about science. I don't think so, but... I also know what happens. Indeed, indeed. So, um, Mendez recaps some of Oppenheimer's file. Apparently, his think tank invented, or is their first invention, anti-gravity vehicle, resulted in the Roswell incident in 1947, which is a very 1994 thing to be talking about here. Yeah. Actually, I remember just that era when Roswell suddenly became this really big deal. And there were all these alien autopsy shows and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I do remember a lot of that. There was that video that came out that was apparently mm-hmm. people like dissecting the gray and all that shit. Yeah. And, you know, now there's all these debunkings of it too, which is pretty fun. I feel like that's a very sort of like just pre or like dawn of the internet kind of thing is sort of mm-hmm. finding that video and finding people debunking parts of the various parts of the video around the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but in this case, it turns out that that ship was a crashed anti-gravity ship with burned chimpanzee pilots. It had to be hushed up or it'd be embarrassing to Truman, and we can't have that, creating a rumor of the alien crash. And since then, I guess for 30 years, this think tank has produced nothing else of value at all, which, I mean, well, I got to agree with Mendez here that this seems like a boondoggle, frankly. Well, I mean, they made a flying car, which they also then used to get here. You know, mm, fair. Mendez advises shutting down the Soul Gun project, but the president won't hear of it or any insults toward Oppenheimer for that matter. Didn't they also enter a portal? <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of sci-fi stuff. They're clear. I mean, there's a big Silver City. That's not something you see every day, honestly. I well, yeah, I feel like this Mendez guy is just like blind. He's he's hate blind, man. He's like, I don't like yeah. this guy. What, what with all of his great technology and shit. absolutely, yeah, he's drunk on haterade, buddy. It's yeah. very sad. <laughs> Stupid. 1994 action here, buddy. Amazing. Got these terms. A tech arrives and uh, shows Mendez and the Prez to the observation room with um. And I kind of like there's some fun kind of like optical illusion walls here, just sort of how the how they're painted. Mm. They're given some fancy goggles as Oppenheimer projects himself into the room. Kim West is about to make a journey beyond the veil of mortal Ken. It will render space travel obsolete. The president asks how it works, but apparently it's very technical. Anyhow, Kim (laughs) is strapped to a chair and a lever is pulled from the giant building-sized soul gun machinery. A revolver pops out and shoots him right in the face. (laughs) Jesus. Tune in, turn on, drop out. Get shot in the face. (laughs) God. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, you know. I love it. It's just yeah, such it's, a, uh, it's such all a this technology, all this buildup, all this anti-grav or whatever. And in the end, it's still just a, a revolver on a robot arm. Yeah, know? I mean, it, it, it definitely shows he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Kim's been murdered, but that's not the end of the story, as we like no. to say here. You know, death, it doesn't screw your career up the way it used to in the olden days. His life essence instead has been instantly transported elsewhere. And indeed, we see his soul which, waving from the surface of the moon. Which, I mean, like, 
do did dead people just go to the moon? <laughs> I don't I don't get he trans it. he transported there when the soul gun fucking blew his ass off, buddy. <laughs> Aren't you, perhaps you're familiar with a great philosopher um, and time travel specialist of our, or transportation specialist of our time, because he drove a bus fox, Ralph Cramden, one of these days, bang, zoom, straight to the moon. Oh, well, I was going to say that um, it was, uh, it you know, sort of pre, uh, <laughs> it's pretty good, uh, but it predated him. There was actually uh, a couple of um, entrepreneurs who specialized in this. Way back in the day, uh, their names were uh, Professor Smith and Professor West. West. Mmm. <laughs> yes. Because they, they the sent all those. Yeah, they <laughs> sent all those buffaloes to the moon, buddy. It was oh a bad time. <laughs> There's just moon buffalo now. Yeah, all the dead things. Oh my god. <laughs> Couple years to a blink one eighty two. Also, anyway, um, <laughs> he's on the moon. He's waiting for the space shuttle Excalibur, due to re-enter orbit soon. We see the shuttle, and on the sole view, we can also see a man standing on the side of it, breaking off plates and stuff. He's challengering this shit. shit. It's the ghost of Yuri Gargarin. <laughs> it's okay. Oppenheimer radios Kim. Operation Glasnost is go. Wow. West flies off and meets Gagarin on the wing of the shuttle, where he's nightmare at 20,000, feeding the wing of the plane. Oh, if only William Shatner was there to warn him. I'm surprised they didn't do a joke cameo. Because it's also got space travel, because yeah. he's also Captain Kirk and stuff. Yeah. Maybe they just are more familiar with the uh, John Lithgow version, which would have been out recently, I want to say. Controversially enough, the Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> oh, that was in 83. That was years ago, Fox. Whatever. <clears throat> Momentary. I had to check my research assistant, Google. Oh, Professor Google. Anyway, yeah. West flies in and engages in some superhero banter, and a fight begins. Oh, my God. So stupid. This is dumb. Absolutely, yeah. This there's superhero really banter. It's going up against communist catchphrases, and the fight heats up. It's uh, but it's like ghosts. They're 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 specters. Absolutely, yes. Punches give way to red and blue energy beams, and oh, then God. the fight goes through some sort of portal gateway into a blue and yellow negative zone. They've broken <laughs> through to another universe. Okay. No Luckily, one's surprised by this. It's, it's just fine. like it's watching like a shitty uh, uh, superhero movie. At oh, this yeah. Stage. No, the the president and uh, Mendez and Oppenheimer are all commenting as this stuff's going, of course. Luckily, Kim has a background in mime, so he uses his powers to create an invisible yeah. box around Yuri. <laughs> But the cosmonaut <laughs> breaks free. Yeah. It's iron curtains for you. Oh, God. It's like, uh, I, well, I, I'm going to shoot laser beams out of my arm. Oh, well, I can also do that. Well, I can make a big old laser bat. Okay, well, I stop you with my un like unbreakable with wall. My laser wall. And now I'm going to make five more laser walls and trap you inside. What do you think about that? Well, I'll, I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to Stalin up and get super powerful and break free. All right. Yeah. Just I broke through, and now it's iron curtains for you. Next time, radical exercise, and it's exercise like like the exorcist, not like exercising. This is dumb. Why? Why? So first off, this feels like something we would have read in like the seventies. Absolutely. You know? uh, and it's weird. And why ghosts? 
Um, <laughs> and like, how is this going to change how we think about science? Like, are we just going to murder everyone and we're just become ghosts? Like, I mean, I think, I think the, the proof of like ghosts and spirit shit and afterlifes it would rethink would cause people to rethink how they see science sure but the but the so so okay and they all get the sent confirmation to the moon, and they can of all of, have the they confirmation all have of superpowers, and <laughs> yeah. they can go to other dimensions. It's like, okay, man. <laughs> the confirmation of post-death fisticuffs on the surface of the moon would change how people think about things. <laughs> all right, I think even even Neil deGrasse Tyson would stop being a sourpuss for at least an hour if he oh, was God. found this to be proved to be true, Fox. I mean, he there'd be a lot of people being like, see ghosts, and he'd be like, God damn it. Not pleased. No. And honestly, like, I don't I don't like this very much either, but I do think it's fun to talk. Like, it's just it uh, like a lot of shaky cane stuff, honestly. It's just weird enough to be like interesting fun to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, there's some like some real high points are just the gun popping out. Like that is amazing <laughs> to me. Um, and then just again, just the fact that this banter is so on the nose, just yeah. in terms of like, of like, you know, Kim's all like, or, you know, West keeps talking about like, you know, hey there, friend, like that's not the American way, you know, and yeah, oh God, you know, and, and, and Gagarin just it's keeps, the United I mean, States of Smash as a, yeah, as, keeps, a as a human. <laughs> Exactly. He just keeps punching back, talking about like, you know, he's got a, a five year plan for your death or whatever else, you know, it's got a great leap forward for you, etc. Oh God, golden road of pain. Anyway, Fox, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's not, I, I wouldn't suggest reading it, but it no. is funny. I, I feel like the uh, the extent that you've interacted with it here by listening to us make jokes about jokes is just about what you want, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just keep that level of, uh, of distance from it. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine where you are. Don't seek it out. <laughs> this this will not be in a collection. Mm, I don't. I, I believe it isn't. I believe I forget which ones are in the collections for these ones. Anyway, here we go. Yeah, when you know, listen, the Soul Gun Warriors saving the world by having a fist fight inside oh, no. of, a, of a space shuttle, Fox. <sighs> Time to get our chakras aligned. <laughs> what if there's more murderous, but all, but similarly esoteric ways of saving the world? <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out in Thrill 3, Mother Earth. It's just like, <laughs> it's so... So much happens mm. in the course yeah. of this that I'm I <laughs> it's trying to get through it so quickly and explain very little. <laughs> very listen, I don't I don't quote Shakespeare lightly, Fox, but it's very much set a sound full of sound and fury signifying nothing, Mother <laughs> Earth. <laughs> Script robot Bernie J, art robot Cliff Robinson and Dondi Cox, letting robot Ellie DeVille. Last time. Time-traveling elemental or environmental murderer Mother Earth recruited some no-good kids from London to help her quest in the distant future of the year 2000. Fox, there's there's two gals and a guy in these in the in these youths that were kidnapped. Yeah. I am per I purposefully am trying not to learn their names in my <laughs> notes. I sort of alternate between calling them the kids and the jerks, just yeah. for the record. 
<laughs> um, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we learned that her ship is deep underground, but the windows show a starscape, and Mother Earth has these Utes put on some orange-green spacesuits. They'll yeah. save you from the coming conflict. Do it now or die. Which I like. Okay. <laughs> As Mother Earth herself puts on her giant bulbous super suit that still shows off her fine can, Fox. Good times. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got its own butt plate. Absolutely. So the Utes do so, and she explains they're headed to the Ferrograph Polymers PLC company. Mother Earth's uh-huh. going to the director's suite while the others are going to be dumped around the perimeter. They're her guards, so if anybody comes after her, just hate him a little bit, and the suits will do the rest. Yeah, I. it seems like they do nothing. <laughs> yes. Everyone teleports in. The uh, The kid's wondering what the heck Mother Earth is talking about. Um, and uh, Mother Earth then... Uh, <laughs> Heads into the corporate boardroom and surrounds the whole, like, the board table in a big orange cube and prepares to force these corporate dudes to drink smoking cocktail glasses of toxic waste. Yeah. Outside, the uh, the youths try to run away, but the guards find them and alarms go off. They open fire, and when one of them is almost hit, their suit suddenly starts shooting off energy blasts. I, again... The purpose of these children to her plan is unclear because <laughs> like, she could have just, yeah. yeah. I want to be clear. These are young adults, Fox. They were living in their own house. Like these aren't like <laughs> kids who have been like, like actual kids doing stuff. These are just no good. Like maybe people in their late teens or early twenties, you know, and yeah. <laughs> they, they were just fine before this. I feel like this is just a torture session for her that she's yeah. into. Yeah. Fuck them. Um, anyway, <laughs> Mother Earth is, for, is forcing the execs to drink the sludge like they can't stop themselves, and they're all dead. She drops a calling card on their body and heads out. Okay. Mother Earth's mission is complete as she looks to see the humans or these uh, these youths slaughtering the guards with energy blasts from their suits they can't <laughs> really control. Yeah, exactly. They're just shooting random people with their fucking... This guy's got like six cannons on his chest that are yeah. just shooting wildly. <laughs> the dude, one of them, manages to calm himself down enough to, start, to stop firing and then starts to run. Mother Earth appreciates his progress and then grabs the trio up and warps back home. We see news reports of the attack where it's theorized that the board killed themselves in a bizarre suicide pact. Fox, that's the only kind of suicide pact I want, a bizarre one. It's got to be weird. You got to leave some weird stuff going on, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Holmes and Moriarty style. The guard that Dex or that the the dude one of these guys um, fried is okay and thinks it was an alien attack. And they go to sleep in bunk beds as in the London Docklands, a gumshoe type guy looks at mother earth's calling card how did he get his hands on it i would imagine it would be police evidence i don't know at 5 a.m the utes <laughs> are startled awake as mother earth calls rise and shine we're under attack and she's just shooting her stuff off man like all over i guess the place. yeah a bunch of missiles are coming their way it's been a while since the computer ran a perimeter defense check and the kids run out but mother earth just tells them to sit still when suddenly why, a why big wake them up <laughs> like just don't I do don't anything know. especially with how easily this is handled because suddenly a big like a panel 
a strato buffer, which yeah. is just sort of a big a big wall in space appears and blocks all the missiles. A and radio communicate. Yes, yeah, you wouldn't see that from Earth, like this it's giant been, sun blocking massive object. I guess it's been it's been cloaked by future technology. Would be my guess. Sure. Who knows? It's dumb. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. afterwards, a radio communication comes in using a pattern that originates from Mother Earth's own home timeline. Whoa, it's Siege World. We, yeah, we learned that back in the old days, billions were embezzled from the Mother Earth the project, allowing a splinter group of jerks to create a time bubble bunker on the dark side of the moon. Siege oh, World. Why would you make uh, it on the dark side of the moon where it's like negative a billion degrees? Cause that's the coolest part of the of the moon, man. All right. There's always another big, brick in the wall, Fox. Well, there's actually, uh, according to like an SCP Foundation thing, there's just a giant picture of uh, Aleister Crowley. <laughs> Look, there. when you're plus while you're waiting for your plans to come into effect, you can be comfortably numb, Fox. Oh, beautiful. Fuck. Acknowledge my Pink Floyd references. I, I, I acknowledge it. I acknowledge it. Jeez. Anyway, it seems one of these guys is also a friend to Mother Earth back in the previous timeline. And Alex Luthor type holds a knife to her throat to try to find information about Mother Earth herself. She connects using some kind of device and suddenly one of the Utes is possessed by this lady. She's named Natalia. And we learn that Mother Earth's shoot name is apparently Rafalia. Rafalia? Something like that. Uh, Raffaella? Mm. She begs for help, but Mother Earth just pulls a gun out of well, her yeah, belt and just like shoots her. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and apparently the, it goes through the communication channels and kills the woman. <laughs> travels up the line. Yeah, the dude tries to attack Mother Earth forward, but she just tosses him away in a, a manner that accentuates her curves. I can't help but notice. She yeah. walks off, leaving the jerks behind. Back on Siege World, it seems Natalia's dead. The general will have to make other plans. I'll get you, He-Man. The kids stumble into a nearby closet and sleep on the floor. At least they're alive. She's got like Aeon Flux vibes is the thing. Mm, yeah. And that was that and, was out around this time, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh like many a time a 13-year-old Conrad would oh. would stay up late on it and and uh, see like liquid television on 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 MTV with mm-hmm. uh, Aeon Flux on it, you know. An amazing time, Fox. Oh my god. <laughs> It's what Beavis and Butted came out of, man. Yeah. Come on. Takes me back. When was Aeon Flux? Research assistant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 91, 92, well into effect here. You know, this is the the cartoon version, not the the movie. Yeah, not the icky one. That's 05. You know how that goes. Anyway, um, in a sleep pod, Mother Earth dreams of a past reality where her husband and son died in a car accident, and Rafaela Van Rien, um dedicated her life to the Mother Earth program, teaming up with military tech division head General Landrew Stigia, that Lex Luthor guy. Um, the Earth is quickly dying in environmental death, suffocating everybody, and she, in fact, uh, chokes as well and wakes up with a start and looks for her next target. It's yeah. the Right Honorable Leland Fausham, an MP and head of the Steering Committee on Environmentalism, 
currently downplaying the effects of CFC emissions and global warming. So even just like being a shitty representative puts you on yeah. that list. I guess, yeah. Mother Earth wakes the kids. They got a work to do. And in Parliament, Falsham is suggesting, oh, yes, but we must expand the transit sector so people will be willing to protect the ozone layer. And some older guys like, my day, we never even had an ozone layer. (laughs) Most improper. (laughs) Suddenly, Mother Earth and the jerks warp in. She blasts the, the MPs with stun gun, or she blasts all the MPs with guns that separate their spirits from their bodies, yeah. and then they sort of go on a astral journey, telling the kids to guard the place as they head out. They warp away, and the jerks just go to run. Yeah, I. <laughs> what the fuck? Just why? Next time, the Armageddon factor. Do you think that she can set, I mean, because it's the same gun that she iced her friend with. So clearly this is now on the ghost gun setting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got a couple knobs and dials. You know, I've been re-watching. I watched both uh, Dread films in the last day or so, Fox. And so I've really got that uh, concept of a voice command gun with different bullets high in my mind, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Exciting times. The best of times. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it's bad. It's not good. It's confusing. I think she's just a villain. I mean, it, like yeah. she's like it, it's the supervillain who's like, we've got to save the earth. But the way that they're doing it is not by being a hero. It's just by like, yeah, you just got to kill. Just keep plus, killing. Plus, like she's not it's not like she warped through time like she warped back in time this was as far back as she could go and she finds the world in shit so she's got to fix it like the last time she was awake was in the 1940s she could have like been there to stop this stuff before it started you know as opposed to trying to pick up the pieces through murder you know in 2000 (laughs) just picking and choosing when to show up and kill somebody also, you know, I don't want to get into this fight because obviously you're, you know, people are uh, believe that they're, you know, every country believes there's the center of the universe. But, you know, which legislative body is sort of the one that you're yeah. going to use your future tech on to make them change their ways? Is, is the UK government where you start, Fox? <laughs> Could other countries make more of a difference? I think yeah, they I, you could. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, burn on England. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> USA forever. <laughs> anyway, let's take a let's pause before we get to the back half of our thrills, Fox, oh, which yeah. are a mixed bag indeed. Yeah. Um, with some non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Everyone's gonna be real angry at me for <laughs> downing England, but not as angry as they're gonna be for the English accents I plan for one of these upcoming thrills, Fox. Oh, wonderful. Prog 868, big science. Soul Gun Warrior looms over the space shuttle in the cover by Shaky Kane. In the nerve center, Tharg welcomes us to 1994 and teases several upcoming stories, including the return of John Wagner to Judge Dredd. The ABC Warriors, Button yay, Man, yay. Biochips coming back to Rogue Trooper. Okay, I guess. Di- Dynosity, a solo story for hell? Judge Janice, more Luke Kirby, Finn, Tyranny Rex, 
the clown, armored yeah. Gideon, and Slain. Mm. Though Finn won't be back till '95, just for the record. Okay. Yeah, and Big Dave. The Nerve Center has a oh, picture fuck. of Judge Hershey, uh, and they complement the Book of the Dead story as well as Cannon Fodder and Timehouse for some reason. Others continue mm. to relitigate the ability of motorcycles to go in reverse. Worry that Cannon Fodder is too close to killing time and profess a general love of the editorial droid uh, Cybot, the Audrey Wong bot. And they post a nice picture of her just to taunt the fan base. Look at this late. Look at this girl we know, everybody. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the prog ends with the Thrill Archive pinup for Universal Soldier, and I think the, I, like this looks cool. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a picture by Chris Weston of the same dudes, like sort of scarred face and different historical garb and stuff like that. I wish the story was based on it and better. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Where Universal does Dolph Lundgren fit into this, Fox? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Prog 869. Big Dave is back. Fuck oh, Big why? Dave. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck Big Dave. In the nerve center, Thar complains about the weather, about winter weather and train, the train problems it causes. There's a plug for Big Dave and a demand that people fill out those thrill surveys. They want to know what their top and bottom thrills are. Hey. Fill them in, you blaggers. Yeah, come on, guys. We, I mean, we do ours yearly. Well, I feel like we do them every episode, honestly. Yeah, that's like, got, Oh, wait, yo, yeah, that's actually true. It's what we the ne- tops and. I mean, that's what our that's what tops and bots is sort of based on. Fox is that mm. the idea of our own f- f- thrill survey for the four issues that we've covered. That is very true. You know what? Since we that's thought right. of it, I guess they thought of it, but we thought of it first because I'm reading we're, this. We're in doing the future. our duty. Yeah, we're doing our duty as Squawk's Deck Thargos, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Hey. In the nerve center, Genius. Tharg. We, there's a yeah. There's a picture of Tharg complaining. There's no Rosetta of Sirius on this touchstone phone. Letters fight back against claims that 2000 AD isn't as good as it used to be by mentioning bad thrills of the past, like Timequake, Wolfie Smith, and Meltdown Man. Boo! I like Meltdown Man. Yeah, he never did melt though. Son of a bitch. Letters also. <laughs> and also, Wolfie. I I thought Wolfie Smith was fine. I think Wolfie Smith got better when we realized that it was a story about a kid being an asshole, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a huge turd. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny what gets picked up in when people talk about the bad thrills of the past. You know, Shaq goes often in there and stuff, mm-hmm. which is why when we started this show, I think I was very like, well, I like Shaq. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Yeah. Um, well, Shaco's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is, in fact, great. And I felt like, you know, I'd been, I don't know, my brain had been poisoned by these jerks in these letter pages or something. Um, anyway, also, Letters asks why all these droids are so crazy in their droid profiles, why their previous letters weren't published, and then a writer from Malta demands the address of a subscription service for 2000 AD. The prog ends with a thrill archive of goddamn wireheads by Mike yeah. Hadley. Weird as you'd expect. Fucking weird. It's weird. That that mm-hmm. one you should read. Yeah, just this, you know, again, the early cyberspace stuff is always really fun, Fox. I think wireheads and shadows sort of combined together for these sort of early 2080 cyberpunk stories. Good times. You know, these, cyber, these, these internet stories where they have to spend the first issue explaining what a computer is. You know, it's an <laughs> exciting time. fantastic. 870, Dreadlock! Carlos Escara gives us Dread and Project X with their guns at each other's throats. You know, they didn't give Project X the best nose. 
doesn't have Ooh. one. Yeah. How does he smell? Yeah. So he what, they clearly couldn't find someone who was top smell. Terrible. So he smells. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> in the nerve center, Thug plugs the next season of Thrills starting in 873. He says it will include Button Man 2, but we actually won't get that in the progs until uh, the oh, fall. Fuck me. Yeah. It also seems there is a mention of 2000 AD in charity newspaper The Big Issue and a plug for a graphic novel based on the work of author David Gemmel, who seems like a big deal in England, but I'm not really familiar with his work. No the idea. The story is called Legend, but it's no—it's not a reference to the movie Legend, for the record. Okay. Um, the input page is a picture of a bloody Judge Frankenstein, no relation to Project X, and letters have a grandfather that loves 2000 AD, some ratings of recent thrills that likes all the stories based on classic stuff, but hates all the new stuff, and asks why they, why they don't adapt more classic sci-fi novels and stuff like that, as well as printing critical letters. And if you want letters that are bitching about the contest, the comics, the magazine is right there. And they got like four page letter pages where people just, it's just, it's basically just like the genesis of all internet forum discussions over there, buddy. It's terrible. Another letter demands a mug because he's got a bubonic plague and needs the mug to catch his boobos. And a yeah. final letter from Australia demands a prize in telegraph style. And there's a thrill archive with a very nice picture of uh, Judge Anderson. Who I haven't was, seen her in a while. No, she was last in 2000 AD in Prague 763. But again, um, she's been all over the magazine mm. and in fact will be um, back in the um, pages of Big Meg One in the coming weeks. Awesome. Not too long. Just as she's, um, what, she went to Mars and fought some ancient aliens inside oh. the face of Mars, Fox, okay. which is canonically <laughs> existent in the Dreadverse. Um, and then afterwards, she became so disillusioned with the Justice Department that she quit. And now she is traveling the spaceways, going on Whoa. esoteric adventures. Cool. Yeah, it's a good time. She'll be back eventually. Um, I think. So it's in the thousands. So I actually read a return to the, the, the progs. But we'll see how it goes. 871, something weird this way comes. Simon Harrison shows the world dissolving into butterflies around Revere in a very neat cover. Very he beautiful. Climbs through a, through a mirror and stuff. In the nerve center, Tharg once more complains about his commute and shows us the result oh of a thrill survey. Yeah, always, a, listen, the British commute, always a challenge, Fox, is, is what I've learned. Um, also he also he complains about people not buying enough of those Tharg clocks. And again, I would buy one in a heartbeat if I could yeah. find one. I've only seen people offer to offer them to me as jokes on Facebook for exorbitant prices, Fox. I would pay 30 pounds for a, a, a Tharg clock. <laughs> yeah, it's and no there. no more. Well, I uh, I had to figure out my number. 40 is too much, I think, but I, yeah. I would pay 30. <laughs> Check Etsy. You never know. I just, I don't, I want it to be offered to me, Fox. I don't want to look for it myself. <laughs> you know? Plus, I want it to be authentic. I want a 30-year-old glow-in-the-dark Tharg clock, you know? Mm, radioactive. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> um, uh, and so, the yeah, sorry. So, we've got this thrill survey. Dread, Slain, and Rogue Trooper are the top characters. Escara, Bisley, and Kev, Kevin Walker are the top artists. 
Grant Morrison, John Wagner, and Pat Mills are the top writers. Top topics are future war, future life, and fantasy. Future life? Uh, Yeah, just life in the future? (laughs) Just like, this is a a different kind of phone than the phone that you're used to. It fits in your pocket. I would say the first two chapters of Halo Jones, for instance, are future oh, sure. life. sure, yeah, yeah. That yeah. sort of transition to future war in, in book three, you know what I'm trying to say? But <laughs> fantasy, I thought that was kind of fucking weird. I mean, Slain's that, you know? Yeah, give me a give me a swordsman. Give me a, give me a blade, bro. I'm ready for it. Yeah, why not? And then uh, bottom story types are, of course, future shocks yep. and space dramas. And space- I would say that for Moonrunners is, is a space drama, for instance. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like a space drama, right? Yeah, I could be Harry on the High Rock. That was great. Could, yeah, that's fair, actually. Although I'll just say, oh, I don't care for no drama. Give me action. That kind yeah, of stuff. That's, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um, also, there there are some gifts coming in the um, with the new thrills in Progs 873 and 874. There'll be a sweet badge and then a Rogue Trooper poster. Nice. In the Nerve Center, a writer has a not-that-great Judge Dredd picture to show off. Another writer is a UN peacekeeper in the former Yugoslavia getting by by reading 2000 AD. Another letter says it's not cool they kill Johnny Alpha again in Strontium Dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's Demand- really true. Yeah, and then also demands more mean arena, so they're right up your alley, Fox. Hey, and look at that. Kindred spirits. Yeah, and a third letter posits that the Gronks must bees from Bristol's because he adds his the S's to everything's. Okay. The prog ends with a thrill archive of trash by Nigel Dobbin. And as always, Fox, I'll just say that it's a thrill that is aptly named. Really? Look at me. I'm, I'm just stroking my beard as I say this, Fox, because I've, I've, I've delivered <laughs> the wittiest of bon mots. <laughs> trash, eh? Well, you must say it's aptly named. I got you, (laughs) Fox. I'm gonna, Fox. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna save Revere till the end because I got a lot to say about it. Basically, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to keep the, 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 the high class taste of that fine wine pure in my mouth and not sully it by talking instead about thrill for big dave big dave fuck big dave fuck big dave script robot grant morrison and mark miller art robot anthony williams and gina hart letting robot any park house god fucking damn it it's big dave i hope you like racism against the spanish fox because that's what we've got i don't i really don't Oh, on the island of Tenerife, the military is massing as a plane comes crashing down, one engine on fire. It crashes, and out comes Big Dave in a purple and green shell suit, flipping the bird along with both his actual dogs and like his his dogs with a W, like his buddies who are coming with him, and his girlfriend Cheryl Ann. They hate each other. Yeah, they, he's really not very kind to this woman. She takes over on narration and kind of a letter to his girlfriend as the tour bus careens into town. Dave bottles the driver as they arrive at the hotel. Ooh, the Chippendales are performing tonight as the hotel waitstaff lusts over Cheryl Ann. And Dave taunts some German tourists about their love of Hitler and the fact that England beat Germany in the World Cup of 1966, which was 28 years ago. And then pisses on them. Piss on them, my son. That kind of stuff. 
Yeah, okay. I really just go for a lap, huh? They really like, they say, oh, you like Hitler. Also, World Cup, boys are 66. Names of various English footballers. Octolibre, we have been destroyed. <laughs> Jesus. So much racism. Anyway, um, that night the Chippendale Review is performing in Sherryland, shouting, get off at all of them. <laughs> But Dave isn't impressed by these beefcakes. This leads to some taunting, and then Dave snaps with the usual extreme violence. He jumps out a window after he tosses some dudes through it. But on the street, Dave is confronted by a guy in a strike it lucky shirt. It's Balzer, and he's taken Dave's croon as the oddest man in Britain. Wow. Dave seethes his Balzer, says, and I'm calling ye a poof like. Wow. That's right. I called you Puff Dave. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> this I'm fucking Jordy thinks he can come out here to Tenerife and mess with our Dave Fox. Get out of here. Uh, it can be over any time we want it to be, you know. <laughs> Balzer says he'll fight Dave tomorrow, but Dave breaks a second bottle over his head and a bunch of Spanish cop. But, uh, but then a bunch of Spanish cops show up and point guns at him, tell him to stop fighting. Thus chasing, Dave makes his way to a karaoke bar where he gets extremely drunk and is finally carried off by more Spanish cops. They even humiliate the crippled owner of the karaoke bar who used to play for Leeds but was injured in the 1975 European Cup final. Okay. The cowards take Dave off in a wagon to Sherylan attacks one of them and balls or chuckles at the plan he's had to have Dave arrested so he'll be the toughest man. Soon I'll have a year soon I'll have I'll, soon I'll have his lads and all. Uh, the next day, Cheryl Ann is being hit on by waiters when a bunch of old people sit at a table loading guns and planning. At the Spanish prison, some honeymooners are being beaten up by the guards, and they also taunt Dave. But it's no use, Dave, says his cellmate, fugitive tycoon, and former owner of 2000 AD, Robert Maxwell. Oh, yeah. It's also like father. Yeah. yeah. Also yep, father no. of Ghislaine. Yeah, of uh, Elaine Maxwell, recently sentenced. Yeah, um, thank God. He's been hiding here after faking his own death and running off with everybody's pension money. The guards cattle the prod fuck? Dave and tell him, um, everyone's saying he's too much of a coward to face balls or he's got to be a poof. No. Wow. Meanwhile, Cheryl Ann finishes her letter home as a local in a banana hammock arrives at her room. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a G-string banana hammock, too, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, so Maxwell you know it's all offers, business. Totally. Business in the front and the rear, if you take my meaning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's got a deep meaning, actually. Oh, I can't stop now. <laughs> I mean, I just can't stop the endos. It's terrible. Max offers... He offers to hire Dave as a bodyguard for 50 pounds, and Dave agrees as some guards come in with a, with a cattle prod to shock them again, when suddenly those elders from the hotel show up in ski masks and machine guns. Mm. They shoot up the place, freeing Dave, and he beats up the guards, of course. The elders reveal themselves as Brits that lost their pensions to Maxwell's dirty financial dealings. And Dave leads Maxwell to their gentle ministrations as he just yeah. walks away, counting his ill-gotten 50 quid. 
Dave reunites with his dogs, the uh, the pit bull ones, not not his buddies, who have brought a new magenta shell suit for him, along with various Dave themed gold jewelry. He also get um, grabs a bottle from a passing goat. It's time to settle, Balzer. At the bar, the man himself goes to hit on Cheryl Ann when Dave appears and breaks a bottle over his head. Cheryl Ann loves Dave fighting people. She just screams, kill him, Dave! That kind of stuff. God. Dave throws Balzer out the window, and their fight continues onto the street as Balzer grabs a Ford Fiesta and smashes it over Dave's head, but it has no effect. In fact, he's even more angry than before next time on Big Dave when Titans crash. Clash, uh, you know what I'm saying. Is it the last one? No, we got one more Big Dave. Uh, That'll be in the fall as well. Oh, I meant is this, is Wind Titans Clash the last Dave? There'll be one or two episodes next next time. Ugh, son of a bitch. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, yeah. Through five future shocks. This one's weird. Yeah, I'm just going to do this one real fast. Uh, yeah. One future shock, the night Santa signed on. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Ron Smith, and Gina Hart lighting robot Ellie DeVille. I will say, um, like, very much Miller and Morrison are sort of writing partners here, which is very, and it's very much um, Willie Russell on the 2080 Megaverse Facebook group actually, I thought, said this really well, where it's a, a sort of a... Uh, a 1990s um, like phone call with your buddy or like dorm conversation where you basically just kind of spend as much time as you can like trying to be offensive and saying weird gross stuff and things like yeah. that. And this very much feels like one of those. And it's just sort of some holiday cheer as a with a brutal little tale about an unemployment agent busting Santa for only working one night a year. In the end, he gets gunned down on the snowy street, his laid in a laid to rest in a grave next to the open grave of the Easter bunny, who will probably be killed in the spring. Okay. Come on, lads. <laughs> this is a lot. My God. But it's just because we're like, you know, like, oh, yeah, Santa only does work one day a year. Yeah, what would the unemployment office have to say about that? If he signed signing on for unemployment, knowing he only works one day, that's not seeking employment or getting training the way, we, you know, you have to when you sign on for your check or whatever. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And what if that guy, what if there was an, an employment enforcement agent that just shot people and he shot Santa in the street uh, like uh, a dog? God, I... It would make for a bad comic. That's how you get to like, I mean, sort of some scrapped, um, uh, like some scrapped Big Dave plots described in Throw Power Overload that are pretty rough, you know? Well, all the Big Dave's pretty rough. Indeed. Anyway, I'm, I don't want to talk about all this. Um, no, I want. Let's talk about Revere. All of this ugly mess, Fox. I want to talk about things that are ridiculous and awesome. So let's talk about Thrill Six Revere. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Script robot John Smith, art robot Simon Harris, and letting robot Jack Potter. Revere, witch boy of London, is beyond the veil on a quest for his lost love, Chloe, but to find her, he must confront the guardian of the gate, the Huitzitgra. Got a lot of eyes in there. 30 seconds ago, it drew first blood, and Revere is counting to try to steady his nerves the seconds afterwards. The monster is not impressed by this and slashes Revere again. The beast lurches around, 
changing the landscape with it as it moves. Things are fluid in this world, like clay, and that makes things hard to track, but also makes things malleable. Revere forms a black blade out of the nothingness and drives it into the head of the Huitzigra. 40. 50 seconds into the fight, black blood starts pouring out of its head as Revere keeps counting, keeps cutting, and from the body comes forth Melcom, the witch lady who stole Chloe in book two. Revere demands to know where his love is, and Malcolm says she's in the dream time behind the mirrors. Revere lashes out, cutting into Malcolm's laughing face, but she just reforms and taunts him. She offers him a kiss before dying, but instead Revere turns and runs, down the yellow brick road, past puppets and Chinese lanterns, gingerbread houses and juniper trees, into the cathode orchard. There, an ambient voice tells him to stop fighting. She's you. She's your subconscious. The voice says to face her as Malcolm screams at the voice to shut up. But Revere listens. He turns and faces her. He sees her as his past fears, the things that made him weak and frightened that he hated in himself, but he's outgrown all that. She dissolves with a scream, and then a screen or a tarot card appears. It's his mentor, the the astrologer. Yeah, drunken astrologer. Finally, he offers to tell Revere what this is all about, unless he's got to sit through another boring fight. <laughs> I so, like the fights. I don't know. Yeah, no, they're absolutely great. I think it's, you know, again, it's just the the characterization of the astrologer. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah doing the, the wheel hand, just moving along for sure. <laughs> the astrologer's dead, of course, and but says Revere is in the home stretch. He's killed the Huitzigra and taken out his last demon, and that's opened the last door, which is also a mirror. Don't worry about it too much. The astrologer holds out his hand and draws Revere in, and suddenly they're flying above the clouds where a huge funnel appears as the astrologer talks about different visions of heaven and that those appear in the labyrinth rolled into one. But this is the dream time where the real work is done and the blueprints of the world are created. They float past massive crescent moon faces as Revere asks who in char- who's in charge. Is it God? The astrologer just says to wait until they get to the Venetian door. Meanwhile, back in reality, those Lanzer jerks are monitoring the undead head of Revere's mother, and it seems she's stirring. They try to flood her head with sleep chemicals, but then she starts to speak. She's awake! And people start popping like pimples. The head lets out a scream that shatters glass and explodes head. Head's technology arcs blue lightning as a trooper calls for the Baron. Back in the dream time, the astrologer says that everything that's happened to Revere is like a game show. A bunch of humiliation all for a partly a paltry prize at the end. The astrologer's over it. You know, there's no big musical finale, but Revere is being groomed for stardom. But before that, he can explain more. He's interrupted by the call of some sky whales. Anyway, this is the Venetian door, and Revere must continue on alone. Open your third eye and enter into the presence of the Ark Engine of Creation, the Hierophant. The Ark Engine of Creation is such a cool fucking term. Totally. And we see this kind of bony, half-black-and-white figure floating in the middle of a cosmic maelstrom as ghostly black whales fly around them, singing to him. So fucking cool. 
It's really awesome. The world opens up to Revere as his body splits apart, seemingly without pain. His perspective shifts through tarot cards. Like we see, a, there's a lot of images here that we'll see sort of for the rest of Revere. There'll be individual panels that have a Roman numeral on them that refers to a specific tarot card here, Fox, just for the record. And the Hierophant's one of those. Yeah. That's uh, one of them tarot cards. We'll see, you know, from Persona. Anyway. The Hierophant makes contact with Revere in strangely lettered lowercase narration boxes. This is the primal sea, the myth pool, and the Hierophant is the spirit moving across its waters. Um, they are the, uh, the spirit of wholeness and union. Revere seems to realize that they're also a martyr who must sacrifice themselves for all the world's sins. We see Revere in flashbacks, fighting, dying, making his leap of faith, learning the lessons of the Kerygma Triad, that it is fear that shackles us to the real and ordinary, You must um, that you must stoke the stillness within and confront the weaknesses that you have created for yourself. Having learned and accomplished this, Revere must now destroy the world. And we get a better look at the Hierophant, and I'm just saying that it's not unlike a big dick fox. Just <laughs> putting that out there. Yeah. Back in the real world, the Baron has arrived and stands outside a window to a blackened room to talk to Revere's mother. He's they like uh, the uh, the uh, the the Lancer captain here. Neil warns her warns the Baron that she's had extreme extensive brain damage. So what she says might not make sense. Um, and um, the yeah and uh, the the Baron like goes in and, and asks what she wants. And she says asks if this is all about her son. She says she could see him, but he's dead and gonna be, be but gonna be back any day now. And if she ever sees her son again, she'll kill her himself. <laughs> Then she just starts threatening Captain Neil <laughs> and everybody else in the world that they're all going to die screaming in blood. Something big is coming to wash us all away forever. The Hierophant um, talks about a time of grace for humanity. It must rise from its inner sickness, the, the disease of self. Die, oh, sorry, it must, uh, it must rise from its inner disease, die and be reborn. The state of grace found in the primordial sea. It says individual identity is a sickness, self is a disease. In the primal sea, all boundaries break down. And with that learned, Revere is taken somewhere else to Chloe. Yay. But she's changed. She's become a transparent being of energy, transformed by fire to spit and spirit. Luckily, Revere's into that. Yeah, super into it. <laughs> the two embrace and Chloe begins to tell Revere what it was like when she died. And there's a little note in here that says, uh, this is the magic theater. Price of admission. You're mine. Whoa. Freak out. <laughs> Chloe tells Revere the story of her death. We don't hear the details of it, but it says every word leaves scars, which I thought was a pretty nice turn of phrase. Yeah. Revere says she was the bait to draw him into new consciousness. They embrace and kiss, and she says to do what he must and then return where they will become one with all the world. Revere flies out, flies off and gets spat out of the dream time into the crooked womb of Earth. And that was two days ago. Now he's in that hermit's base from book one. Um, outside of London, gathering what he needs, listening to the knowing trees, learning of the Rainmaker's circle and how to travel through mirrors. It all falls into place. 
His mind is alight with spirit fire. He draws the obsidian sword, not that he'll need it, and prepares to meet his mother again and destroy the world. In Lanzer HQ, a guard talks to Captain Neil as he orders all security doubled. He knows Revere is coming and capable of immense carnage. And indeed, as he he orders (laughs) this, the witch boy himself just fucking climbs out of a window and kills the guard Neil was talking to. So great. More guards come and find Neil's bloody corpse. He's been cut in two. They call in the alarm and Revere appears and murders them in turn. The guards all scramble. He's after the head. And they find him surrounded by a torrent of black butterflies circling out from his hair. Sword in one hand, the mother hand in the other. And he asks them, what are you going to do? Kill me or join me? Easy, really easy choice, I feel like. Next time, after the rain. Oh, man. So amazingly well done. This is just... And in stark contrast, you know. It really, like... Especially, generally, you're going from Mother Earth to this. Oh, yeah. Which is a real big change. But, man, this is really great. And it's just, like trippy ridiculous mythic stuff you know and i will say you know in our classic sort of criticism thing there's a lot of words here oh yeah but they're all used so well right like it paints a picture along with the actual pictures right so i I mean just how they describe things it's just so juicy to read Absolutely. And I think Harrison's art is so amazing here. You know, it's these these painted landscapes that are like, I don't know. I don't know the right term. They're, they're, they're like, like impre- they're like, um, it's like nearly abstract yeah. just in terms of like how angles relate to each other. The, the details you see in physical forms and just how things, you know, how things look, how things stay consistent or change from panel to panel and stuff like that. Absolutely. Oh, it's so good. All these well, landscapes it's, it's are so like great. You know, spray paint effect on it too. It's just, mm-hmm. everything's nice and it's just fogged. Like everything's just a little bit, um, uh, like it, it's almost dreamlike in a lot of cases. Absolutely, yeah, one one hundred percent, which I think is is appropriate for the setting of, mm. of the story. You know, I mean, I think what I said when we started Revere that it's very much just John Smith writing the craziest shit he can think of to kind of provide a canvas, <laughs> you know, to provide a theme for Harrison to then you know go hog wild on, and this is really like the er like the the the, the platonic ideal of what that is you know oh, just yeah. reaching these sites you know the 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 reveal of the hierophant is amazing and definitely something like you know one of these ones where some sometimes when i'm putting this show together i do kind of like look at images and I'm like all right well that's just going to be the cover for this episode yeah, you so, know i mean it's hard not to like, use it my my two choices for this one are really the hierophant or the other uh, gun from soul gun warrior like i really <laughs> those two are really fighting it out in my brain for what I'm going to use, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, this is, I, I'd go, for me, I'd go Revere all the way just because the yeah. the gun, it, like, you need it to almost be two panels or, like, three just so that you yeah. get the gem. No, you need a lot of, yeah, you, you you need a lot of backstory for it, and I'm reluctant to actually have someone being shot in the face. Oh, that's on fair. The cover of the... <laughs> of, the on, of the thing that's going to be in iTunes, you know? Like, be careful. <laughs> a little bit. I'm glad Chloe's yeah. back, man, in the form that she is too. It's it, yeah, just in this crazy trans- was such a this, this 
Yeah, she's like this translucent golden skeleton thing. Yeah, she's the she's the visible man. Yeah, or yeah, she's like one of those um ooh, one, one of those fish from like the bottom oh, of yeah. the sea, like where their skin's translucent so you can kind of see their skeleton through it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like also glowing golden cuz of course. <laughs> <laughs> So good. All right, Fox. Maybe oh a foregone conclusion, but I want to know what your top and bottom thrills here for January 1994. We're starting this year off. Revere, see previous discussion, and Indeed. and fuck Big Dave. <laughs> I there's no there, there's no disagreement that I can possibly make, Fox. I hate Big Dave with the fire. I don't like Big Dave, Fox. Fuck I don't Big like Dave. And again, you know, just listen. I don't want to talk about the motives of Big Dave, all right? Yeah, well, just, fuck Big it's Dave. It's just it's just some Mother Night shit of, like, at some point, like, you just can't have a comic that is based around, like, these greasy Spaniards or something like that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Ugh. Not, not bad, bad, bad play. But Revere, real good. Real good. <laughs> uh, just, you know, apex of, um, of the combination of writing and art into something that i think is really special it's it's, you know it's a complete unique beautiful thing to behold yeah we'll be finishing up it up next episode and you know i would say that the uh there's a digital release for the Mm. revere collection and definitely one that i would you know recommend highly just like just like earlier in the in in the uh, in the show we said you don't really have to look at soul gun warrior (laughs) to get these jokes i would recommend getting the revere collection to sort of see what what it is we're talking about here. absolutely well worth it i mean it's it's like 15 out of 10 it's so good real good all right and thus, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spin in 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or podcast site, spacebin in 2000.com, content spacebin in 2000 at gmail.com. And the 2080 forums are our Facebook or Twitter pages on Twitter. Write Space Spinner 2K and everything else, Space Spinner 2000. Drop us a rating or review wherever you're listening. Helps us out. There's still people finding this show, you know, which I think is amazing. And helps my ego when people say that what we do is good. I appreciate oh. it a lot. <laughs> and this show is brought to you speaking of which this show is brought to you by Steve Green Robert Hardingham and your friends the 2080 forums if you'd like to join them and help support the show we'd appreciate it check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash that's our podcast network support the show get advanced episodes come back next time as we're finishing up our current thrills and then we'll start a new slate as dreadhead south of the border Things get spiritual with the returns uh, with the returns of Tyranny Rex, mm. Luke Kirby, and even Rogue Trooper. Cool. Plus, we'll learn the regal ways of Dynosity with <laughs> some satirical dinosaur action. Okay. Okay. Listen, Fox. I like dinosaurs, and I like the British royal family. Okay. <laughs> Make God. something about that. Oh God. <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and until then, I'm Conrady's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Slum Slum